You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, we're just so thankful for this opportunity to be at Camp Meeting again this year. Thank you for um, all of those that are here today. and We know that um, your spirit is here. We've already asked you to be here. I pray that you would be with Gus and Raina as they present this topic. And Lord, speak to our hearts. Um, we know that your coming is soon. We want to have that firm foundation. We want to have our families and um, ourselves building on that rock. And um, so we just thank you so much for what you're going to do here today. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Gail. It's such a privilege to work um, in family ministry. My husband and I, he's because of uh, technical difficulties, he went to get the other computer. But he'll be here soon. Meanwhile, we have an activity to do. Uh, we have been working in family ministries for just three years. But in three years, the Lord has blessed because we know that the time is short. And not just because the time is short, but we'll tell you a little bit of our story during the session. And uh, we have had Pastor uh, Roy and Lori Snayman come to our church and Though our church speaks Spanish, we did the interpretation simultaneous. So we were done, when we were done with that, that, those seminars, we were exhausted. But it was a blessing. I believe two couples, couples that went really um, were blessed. And their, their marriage is, is thriving. So that for us is a big reward. The other thing that we did, um, by the grace of God, is that Gail and our Hispanic coordinator and ourselves, we pushed for our first marriage retreat, Hispanic marriage retreat, in Camp Osabo. So we had 60 couples there. Believe me, it was just wonderful. So whoever goes to the marriage retreat, the English one, it's been such a blessing. But we always had to go to hotels or other places. And this time we were able to uh, enjoy at beautiful campus Sabo. Thank you for being here. We're going to um, open our Bibles, if you brought your Bible, in Matthew 7, 24 to 25. Otherwise, we're going to ask the AV. Um, okay, let's see. When my husband comes, we'll present the family. So let's read Matthew 7, 24 to 25. And when you're ready, let's all read it. It's over here. We can start. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. The parables of the wise man tells us about a man building a house on the rock. And it's interesting because I remember in my family, many years had passed, and we thought, oh, praise the Lord, nothing has happened in our home. But sometimes we say that those storms might come, and sometimes we say if, we have to be sure that they will come because all homes are tested. So that means that we must make Jesus the center of our homes to be able to withstand wind and strives and difficulties in our lives. Um, we're going to do an activity. I, I'd like to see how many Bibles we have here. If we have four, we are complete. We have two here. Great. 
We're going to ask you to divide, to divide this group in four. And uh, please join. We're all going to read a chapter of one of the uh, books in the Bible. It's short. It will take about just five minutes or three minutes, depending on the chapter you are reading. So um, who should I give this Bible to? And if you please gather. Let's see, I'll put this Bible here. And this group has a Bible. This group has a Bible here. Let's do four. Okay. And this group in the back. So we appreciate if you look in your Bibles in the book of Ruth, and we're going to give um, the the group in the back, we're going to give them uh, chapter one. You are going to have chapter two, chapter three, and chapter four in the back. Please gather and together read this book because we're going to learn several uh, things that apply to our lives and our families. So we, we're going to start. We have five minutes. Uh, the book of Ruth. So chapter two, this group, chapter one in the back, chapter three over here, chapter four over there. If you can just get together and somebody can read or share the reading. Um, we see in, in, in some of these, we want you to keep in mind some of these needs that are in the families that they're experiencing because we're going to go back to, uh, to that point and we're going to touch base on how our families can meet some of those needs. Now we're going to go and just review some of these needs that you might have picked up on some, some of you, you might have missed. So in chapter one, we see there's famine. They mentioned famine. Uh, it was a relocation issue, immigration. Chapter two, we have single parenting. And, and some of these things are, are current today. Uh, Daughter-in-law, mother-in-law relationship, uh, child, um, child provision, uh, hunting and, and searching and provision of food. Chapter three, we have depending on one another for help. And chapter four, we have marriage wedding needs, grandparenting issues and relationships, and birth of children. So these are some of the needs that our families face today and that we can, we're going to come back to to touch on later. We can see here a list of needs, and we can see how our church can meet these uh, needs with ministries. Can we see our, our churches that uh, suffer from lack of food? Uh, Immigration, we have a lot. We live in Grand Rapids, and we have a lot of refugees there. We also have a death of spouse and widow. I don't know how much uh, devastation you have had in your town, but in our town, we have had a lot of uh, death because of our, the pandemic that just happened. Uh, people also are going through that grief and loss. There's a program that we could also provide. Also, there is... Um, there are seminars for relationship that we can also have in our churches. So we can, we see this book and we see it now at, under a different, um, under different glasses. We're like, oh, there's so much need here. This is something that we can provide through our church and also something that we can grow ourselves because when we have, when we go through grief or something like this, it helps us to provide help to others. There's something that's going to be important in, uh, in a foundation of a home, and it's super important, and it's a word called commitment. And we see uh, the uh, results of lack of commitment all over the place. Um, we see uh, 
broken homes. We see kids alone. Uh, and so this is very important. Commitment is a successful marriage and family do not always have to do with our circumstances because those will come and go and change. But it does have a lot to do with making a lifelong commitment to two things mainly. God, our, our spouse and family, those are the critical commitments. It involves making a decision to take the D word out of your vocabulary. It is not an option. You want success. Nobody gets into a relationship in a marriage saying, yeah, uh, well, we're going to do things right until we have to get a divorce. I don't think that's a, a mindset that we should even consider. Replacing that word of D word with commitment, the C word. And that commitment extends to not only your spouse, but to your children as well. Uh, I want you to take a moment to think about your life today. Uh, think about all the different facets, all the different parts of your life, and I want you to think of all these activities and we're going that you, that you engage in on a day-to-day -day basis, and we're going to ask you to make a list of 10 important activities. If you don't have something to write them down on, um, just put them down in, in your mind or on a piece of paper, but list the 10 uh, most important things or people in your life. I want you to just make that list. Take a, a minute to do that. And then we're going to have you draw or put those people in priority in a pyramid. In a pyramid. You're going to draw a pyramid and you're going to put the priorities, people or things or events uh, that are important in your life. So we'll give you a minute to do that. I want, we want you to go ahead and think of the 10 most important people or things or events or relationships that are, in, that are important in your life. Is it you know, family? Is it church? Is it work? Is it, um, it, it is, are there other priorities? Do you have a car that you love that is supreme above everything else? Um, those, career. your career, your, um, your, your, your life aspirations, is that above everything else? You know, those, those are the important things. I want you to think of those, and then we're going to ask you to put them in order of priority. What is on top and what is further down on the list, okay? Some of those commitments could include God, children, school, and so on. Maybe you want to travel the world. That's your priority. Coworkers, family, money, husband, wife, friends. And then I, I want you to create a pyramid. And but before I give you that, I give before I give you that, I want you to I don't want you to copy what's gonna be here. I want you to think of your own priorities. What's gonna be on the top for you? Let's be honest. It's a moment to be honest and reflect on your own priorities in that I think a, I think a lot of it has to do, too, with how much time we dedicate to that priority. So that'll help us also, let's say I have my career on top, honestly, or my family's on top, or we can, we can also do that. Okay, now that you have an idea of what, uh, what, who are the most important people in your life, or your, um, the most important things in your life, like travel, church, money, family, coworkers, 
Let's see, uh, somebody wants to volunteer and um, tell us about their pyramid. Just Who's list the top five. Just the list top the top five. five. Okay. Let's look at uh, this one over here and see um, what have they noticed that. So God, spouse, children, church, work. Is that the way our pyramid uh, came up to be? Kind of. I would say sometimes ours would be maybe God and work. Right? Sometimes. Sometimes it's even work and then God. Because how much time do you spend in that personal time with the Lord before you run out the door? Um, so this just shows us a little bit about where our priorities are going to be in and uh, this is going to be very important because many times we say that our family is priority. We say that my spouse is priority. Yes, yes, I love them. And, but what do my actions really say? We're so sometimes, uh, you know, the human heart sometimes can be um, deceptive. We tell ourselves something, but in reality, we do something else. So a good home relationship is going to be based on good fundamental priorities that are in order, in correct order. And otherwise, if you don't have those priorities correct, your home is going to be a tilted home. Your foundation is not going to be solid. And we can all see the, the leaning tower of Pisa and the foundation, on, on a, if it was constructed on sand and it keeps tilting, they did not shore up that foundation well before, not shore it up, they didn't set it down first and correctly to prevent this from happening. And so, you know, all of our, our, our foundation at home is, is set up and based on trust. And trust is built on relationships. So trusting, firstly, God, when, especially when things are not going well, when, when things are going well, it's easy, okay? But when, when they're not going well, you need to have established a trust relationship with God already so that you can make it through the moments when the boat begins to rock, when the water starts coming in and you start to have to bail it out. You need to make sure that you are having a good foundation and a good relationship with God. Now, it is, uh, it is that, that so important for us to build that home so that it withstands the trials that will come, not if they come. How many of you have never had a trial come to you, to your home, to your relationship? Right? I think all of us know that it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And building that home that withstands these storms of life involves trusting God to carry us through. It was the year um, 2017, and I remember that maybe it was the year 2016, Gus and I started praying, Lord, uh, do whatever you need to do to save us, not knowing what was coming our way. In the year 2017, we were getting ready to, making plans to maybe celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary, and that year um, I started feeling bad. And I told my husband, I'm not feeling well. I know I have something. 
I went to the doctor. I told my, I told my doctor, I said, I think I have this. And he says, you know, you should stop thinking that way, he says, because we bring bad things. I said, no, no, I know my body. So that year we, um, we found out that I had a rare cancer in the liver. And it's like, what are we going to do now? We found ourselves like, you know, you, you're walking, you kind of know where you're going, and all of a sudden you just uh, stand there and you're like, I don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. But we had been praying. We had been um, asking the Lord to be with us, to help us in our relationship with him. And um, we asked the Lord these words. Lord, we don't know what to do. This is, it's called epithelial hemangioendothelioma. And not that many people have this cancer in the world, so there's no treatment for it. And um, so we asked the Lord, please make it clear. Make the path, Lord, for us so we don't have to be going here, going there like blind people. We have you as our guide. So we are claiming in your name, Lord, that you make this clear for us. And I remember that, that it was a Friday. It was late. And the doctor called me and he says, this is what you have, which I already had seen in my portal. Unfortunately, we can read things now before they happen, before we go to the doctor. And the doctor said, you know, this is what, uh, what is showing, and you need to go have this and this and this and this. So the Lord opened the way. I, I cannot say that I did anything right or wrong because the Lord had made it all for us. But having that trust in the Lord, like our foundation, made it for us better, made it clear. And this is something that it happens to all of us, I guess, I don't know, maybe maybe it didn't happen to you, but we don't prepare for these things. But when they come and they happen to you, your boat really rocks, and you don't know what's going to happen. You feel like if you step out of, you just give one step, something is going to happen. So that year, um, 2018, I still had things going on, 2019. Well, to not make it long, three years ago, by the grace of God, I received a liver test. And she, we were even that, the Lord led, we were wondering, should we take this? Because we don't know who you're getting it from. And, and the, they won't tell you. And we said, Lord, please make this clear. Please make this clear. Is this the liver she's to take? They don't like it when you say no to a liver. But we don't know. But we prayed, and we prayed so hard, and the surgeon says, uh, this gentleman, I think this is a good liver, he says. And so he, they don't, they're not supposed to let you know that. But he said, I think, I think this is good. So we were like, Lord, that was a light from heaven. Let's, let's move forward. I could say that we have been developing a personal Bible study and prayer. It wasn't that we started doing it, but we already had started doing it. We had started doing it, sorry. So this was, this was really... It's a rock that you hold on to. You're like, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, the Lord is going to be with you. Daily family worship, although our kids had moved out, we still kept praying and doing our uh, family devotional. And it's uh, recommended that we do family worship age-appropriate, engaging, geared toward the youngest member of the family uh, every day, at the same time. And I wouldn't say that you have to do it in the same place. You could probably change under the tree, on a hammock. I don't know, but the Lord is going to guide your home to be creative, your uh, worship to be creative, because 
you have different personalities in your home. I remember my husband comes from a family, and he says that when they did worship, his dad prayed, his dad sang, his dad read, his dad did the last prayer. And I told my husband, I said, no, it's not going to work in our home, because if you do that, I'm going to start doing something else. I'll get distracted. So my kids, so we bought a book for each one of them, age appropriate. And they would read a little uh, passage. They would do enact stories of the Bible. So it was different every day. In songs, we would, um, we would teach them different songs during a week. Then uh, as the time went by, they learned more songs. It was, it was engaging. It was interesting for us because it did not become a routine. It became a challenge, but a wonderful challenge because we were able to explore different kinds, different songs, different, even different languages. And it was fun because no one could understand us. <laughs> I think it's important for us to also remember in this part about family worship, it's, it's the individual worship of our children. We need to continue to engage them so that they can develop that personal relationship. Did you have your devotion? Did you pray? Did what, what did you learn in your lesson as you had a few minutes? And I think that's going to be critical for that part of family worship and individual personal devotion. Uh, church attendance, very important. Uh, there, there's a ministry, there, there's, there's supposedly a ministry of attendance that we sometimes, it's so easy to put off and get busy and not be there. Being there at church really sends a message to your children and really sets a foundation uh, of trust and of responsibility, spiritual responsibility in your children and in your home. So it is important that trust is built on that. If your children, one day you go, one day you don't go. One day you don't, they, 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 they lose trust and they say, this is not really important. So it's important for you to make sure you attend church regularly. And then prayer is going to be one of the other key points. Prayer, families that pray together, there's a saying, stay together. Prayer is important for family dynamics, for family unity, and for family uh, cohesiveness. Uh, there's important a couple of things that are important about prayer. We want to read these aloud. Uh, everyone read them with us, and it says, start with pray. Pray for wisdom. I want you all to read together with me. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who will give to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting. James 1, 5 to 6. And the other one is relax. Here it's just about helping you to relax. God is in the boat. When we were having the trouble with, with the cancer with my wife, it was very scary, uh, very heart-wrenching. And yet we had to remember God is in the boat with us. We can, be, we can, we can handle this. God is going to help us through. So relax. God is in the boat. And the verse says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasseth all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6-7. The last one is talk to God as to a friend. Prayer is the opening. We Let's read it all together. Thank you. 
Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend, not that is necessary in order to make known to God that what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. Ellen White, Step to Christ, page 93. Your home, as we just talked about, is a center of ministry. It's a center of influence. And so we want you to spend a few minutes thinking about the mission of your family as it, re as it relates to, to, uh, to outreach to those around you. What is your family mission orientation? Do you have a family mission statement? Uh, I can remember a few times Sabbath afternoon, we were, we were like, we've got to do something as a family. Let's, and, and so a few times we actually went out and knocked on doors with our kids and handed out literature. And at first it was like, oh, uh, you know, you do lay activities and you want to just keep lay. We're like, no, we got to get up. We've got to take our kids. We got to show them and we got to live the mission. So we would take them and we would door, door, go door to door and we would you know, have, they would open the door and the kids would actually hand the, the, the literature to them. And it was just such a blessing. There was a moment when we took our daughter. She was the last one home. Of course, they, they came here to Gla, and when they invited friends that lived far away and took them to our house, I think they never wanted to go back because they had every Sabbath that they went and visited us, they had to go with us and uh, distribute literature. So uh, that happened. Our son left to college, but our daughter stayed home. And we would tell her, Annie, it's time to go door to door and pray with our neighbors or pray in the neighborhood. Mom, do I have to do that? You know that. And after we did it several weeks, we went Saturday after Saturday. She would say, Mom, I know it's, it's I feel that I don't want to go, but I'm so thankful we went. We were thankful because we we gave each other support, not that we always wanted to go, but this was a, a ministry that we were having. And at one of those doors that we went, it was a guy, and it seemed like demons lived there. I'm sorry, but that's how it felt. And it was we were short of them throwing the door in our face. But we, we were prepared. We said, not everybody has to accept Jesus. But we were prepared, and we said, the worst that they can say is no. And uh, it teaches lessons in life about that not everybody is going to accept Jesus. He told us that not everybody is going, is going to accept him. But for the people that are willing to hear, we are there. So we cannot let these opportunities pass because we have a wonderful um, team, which is our home. And this is the way that we can do evangelism. Maybe you already do this. Maybe you already distribute water. Maybe you go and visit somebody. The other day I went and visited somebody, and she says, you know, nobody has come to visit me. And I thought, well, you know, um, maybe nobody knows. I said that you're not feeling well. So she started putting it on the church uh, Facebook, and after that people started taking food to her. And I said, you know what, sometimes you have to say that you're not feeling well, that you need help. So I was glad that we were able to to communicate that not everybody knows how you're feeling, but if you'd like to be visited, say so. It also happens in our in our um, 
as individuals, sometimes we're going through something. I remember my, when my mother died and people used to call me and say, yes, you have to, uh, there's an expression like saying, it, it's part of life. And I felt very sad because I thought, you know, um, those words, yes, it's part of life, but it hurts. It hurts when you, when you lose somebody that you love so much. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to make it my ministry. That when somebody's mom dies, I'm going to, I'm going to go and pray with them. I'm not going to say, you know, get over it or whatever it is. I'm just going to wait and listen to them. And I, I have several ladies in our church that have lost their mothers. And I just go and hug them and I ask them, how was your mom? How did, you know, how were her last days? And they engage, they start talking. And after that, we pray and that's it. I don't have to say much. I let them talk. And this is the way that we can continue doing evangelism. So we want you to list two things that your family can do, that your family does perhaps or can do to minister to others around them. You saw the story of Ruth. You saw the needs that were there and how those needs, perhaps some of those needs are right around your church or perhaps your own home. Is the, so two things that you can do, number one, and does anyone have a family mission statement? I, I don't know. That was innovative. That was eye-opening for me. I'm like, oh, man, our kids are already in grad school. We, we kind of missed that. I never thought about getting a family mission statement. Anybody have one of those? No? That, for me, was, uh, that was extraordinary because when you have a family, you, you know, you've heard people say, the, the, the rich, we're the Richmonds. Yeah, we're the Richmonds. We, we, we always, uh, we're, we're the greatest hikers in the, in the world, you know. What is our family statement that our kids can hang on to and it can get passed on generation to generation? Just two examples of how you can minister. I don't know if anybody ministers in their neighborhood or in their church. Anybody as a family? Any examples? I've got one over here and one over there. We'll go over there first. Oh, awesome. Raising chickens, giving eggs away with glow tracks. What okay, innovative. wonderful. Yeah, giving. <laughs> at first, I said we you you give it you put you put uh, glow tracks in the eggs. I was wondering how you do that in, in the carton. In the carton. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> and over here. <laughs> okay, but what did you do when your kids were there? Okay. Cool. Very good. Questionnaires. Okay, very good. Very good. And, and even as we're, our children are gone, we can still engage in that ministry as a couple, as a family still. Our kids are now far, but we have one. Just one moment. We have um, a memory verse that we repeat, and it's Romans 8.28. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. And I remember my daughter um, studying to to take her second year of medical school test, which was eight hours. And um, we repeated that verse. We prayed. Of course, we thought, you know, give yourself a chance for failure. We're not always going to win. But by the grace of God, she passed. And she called me and she said, Mother, uh, Romans 8.28 still stands as our family uh, memory verse. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yes, you were going to say something. What a beautiful what a uh, uh, people. What People on the road uh, receiving um, gifts or gift cards, gift cards, a Bible, and a glow track. What a great idea. 
We don't Amen. have to always give money. We can give something else and something better. Amen. Home is a ministry of evangelism far more powerful than a sermon that can be preached is the influence of a true home upon human hearts. Please join me. And lives, our sphere of influence may seem narrow, our abilities small, our opportunities few, our requirements limited, yet wonderful possibilities are ours through a faithful use of the opportunities of our own homes. There's another quote from Ellen White. It said, the mission of the home extends beyond its own members. The Christian home is to be an object lesson illustrating the excellence of the true principles of life. Such an illustration will be a power for good in the world. As the youth then go out from their homes, the lesson that they've learned are imparted to others. Nobler principles of life are introduced into other households and an uplifting influence works in the community. So let's consider the parable of the man who built his house on the rock. The one who built it on the or and the one who built it on the sand in Matthew 7. Is your family foundation on a solid rock or is it on the sand but with a nice view? I don't know how many of you had any homes on Lake Michigan. Uh, when the water levels rose and several homes that were sitting right there on the edge and it, it had a wonderful view, I would have, that would be my dream to have the home there, right? But then you see the storm and the waves and everything starts to undermine that foundation. And then you don't have much of a home so think about that story and what might you have to change in order to shore up your home foundation? What priorities are you going to have to rearrange? What activities are you going to have to do? And, and the other thing is sometimes we know what we need to do, that something's got to change, but we don't know who to go to for that. Or perhaps sometimes even we feel ashamed. I, I had a pastor tell me, the pa you know, pastors are under a lot of pressure. And pastors, supposedly, they, their kids are supposed to be perfect. And if they're not, you know, people are very critical of them. And it, it can be something that's heart-wrenching for them. Who do you go to for this? Find out with your pastor, your minister. There'll be someone to help. And then when you consider your life, family, and family today, is it, are these things that we talked about things that you already know but have to put into practice? Or have you learned something new today that you need to really put into practice and put into, put into first priority? Let's wrap it up. What should we do? What can we do? Build your home upon the rock. Have a friendship with Jesus. Um, have God into your daily activity. What is it that we listen to when we are on the road driving? Do we listen to sermons? Are we listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? These days, I sometimes I suffer, but I ask the Lord to help me not get in the way because sometimes your kids, the only thing they have is their, their earphones and just music. You can hear the beat out of it. 
um, I'm not saying that mine don't do it. I don't live with them, but I went to visit my nephews and we were traveling. I could hear the music that they were listening to on the side. And I thought, Lord, let, let me just keep my mouth shut and pray more for them. Commit your marriage and your family to God and make him a priority in your life. Make sure your priority to your family is evident in the way in which you live. Trust in the one who is in the boat with you. How beautiful. Pray for wisdom in all decisions that you make. Live in such a way that your home reflects Jesus to others. Make sure others see Jesus in your home. I remember um, coming to um, a situation in our lives recently, and I asked God, I said, Lord, please take away my anxiety. I live in the future. I plan too much. I said, Lord, please help me take that anxiety. I put myself in your hands. I remember feeling that peace, and I said, I don't have to worry. Jesus is with me. But I fall, just like Abraham in the story that he um, lied and did things. The same happened to us. But we should continue. We must continue because life with Jesus is better. And to have a home on the rock is better to having it on the sand. I don't know if you have seen there are uh, pictures there are architects who have built homes in other countries that they're on the cliff. You can see the home right there, but it's encrusted in the rock. And I see myself, and I'm, I'm like, wow, I am so fragile like glass. Anything can break me. But the one who is holding me is the rock of Jesus Christ. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.